happy day. My sins away. Hymn number 450. I need thee every hour. I need thee every, every hour. Join me by standing. Doc will be bringing the ushers forward to receive our offering and our visitor's cards. I need thee every hour, 450. Let's sing it together. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, bless me, thou my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour, sit out nearby, temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee, I need thee every hour, enjoy our pain. Come quick, and the bad our life is late. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to I need thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make me thine indeed, thou blessed son. I need, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. It gives me great thrill to welcome back our Internet audience this morning. You guys have known that the last three weeks we've been challenged technically. But yesterday, Justin Ryan, a friend of ours, came up from several hours, and as I mentioned to the congregation earlier, we found the button that we need to. It's been repaired. And right now, our internet audience, this just blesses my heart. It's part of our ministry here at Grace Baptist Revival. Do you know that we have people in over 27 countries that watch Brother Dan Kozar on Sunday morning? We get cards, we get letters, we get emails. 27 countries. What a blessing. 
God has given us to be a great service. I'm so thrilled to be back on the air this morning. Now, this morning, Brother Cozart's under the weather, unfortunately. But the great news is, Brother Ray Bradshaw is above the weather. Ray's been preaching here for a long time. He's been a great brother of ours. And he's preaching on the resurrection this morning. So I have the opportunity and a special reason why for the Ray to come and ask him to give us what's on his heart that God's laid on him. Pray for our pastor that tells us to join our friends. And pray for our services this morning. As we pray not only for our church here, but for folks in our 27 countries that anxiously awaiting truth in this pulpit from God's word. Bow your heads and let's ask God to be with us this morning. Dear Lord, we come to you humbly, um, knowing that we don't deserve it. Lord, were you not looking for us, we would have never found you. What a great day to be alive. Lord, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ every single day. Today especially, we join with friends and relatives and, and other Christians around the world saying, praise God, praise God, praise God. We ask your blessings on the remainder of our service. Lord, we lift up Brother Bradshaw this morning, that you carried him and put your arms around him, hiding behind the, the pulpit, hiding behind the cross. And he preached this morning that you would have him preach and that you'd have us here. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Will you be seated? my Savior to Bethlehem came born in a manger to sorrow and shame oh it was wonderful bless his dear name seeking for me for me seeking for me for me, seeking for me, for me, oh, it was wonderful, blessed be his name, seeking for me, for me, Jesus, my Savior, on Calvary's tree, 
Savior shall come from on high. Sweet is the promise as weary years fly. Oh, I shall see him descending the sky. Coming for me, for me. Coming for me, for me. For me, for me, oh, I shall see him descending the sky, calling for me, for me. Brother Ray Brown. incredible message in that song, is it not? Think that the Lord Jesus Christ came for me and thee. And you know, sometimes, I know this is your experience, it certainly has been mine, sometimes you feel like, wow, you know, the Lord's love, the Lord's mercy, the Lord's grace on me. And you feel like, goodness, for a while they feel like you're the only one in the family. The family than that, of course. It's all of us who have savingly believed upon the Lord Jesus. But it is the intimacy of his presence, the joy of his presence, the power of his presence in and through our lives is an awesome thing. What a Savior, what a Savior that came for me and for thee. Well, the subject at hand is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful to be here. Uh, I'm always, I guess, the bad news, good news guy. And the sort of the thing with the bad news is Pastor Dan's not well. The good news is somebody can fill in, and here I be. So I'm pleased to do that. The text is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 26. I'm trying out a new preaching Bible this morning. My old one has so many notes on it. I bought this one about 15 or 20 years ago, and I kept it in the box because it's identical to my other one, you know, that I've got all the notes on. But I broke my last pair of readers this morning, and so by God's grace, I thought, well, I just have the text here with all those scribbles. Maybe I can read it. We shall begin, see how far we get. I'm probably not going to read that whole text, though, in the interest of time, but I do want to read the first few verses. Matthew, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. 
by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of twelve, then after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part are still <clears throat> present. But some have fallen asleep. That means believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have passed from this life. After that he was seen of James, then of the, all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, the least, one born out of, uh, one born out of, least out of due time, the least of all the apostles, <clears throat> that I'm not indeed uh, not meet to be called an apostle, but I presented persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was not bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Let's pray together. Holy Father, it's a wonderful thing to read the scriptures and to believe them, every line of it, and know at the same time that we are standing in thy grace by faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone as our living Savior. It's a wonderful privilege, Father, to serve you in our lives to worship you, to study your word together. Lord, uh, wear me like a garment now as we seek to study your word and delight in that which you preserve for our instruction. May it be for your honor and for your praise and for your glory, every syllable of it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, needless to say, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the key doctrine of our faith, of the Christian faith. There are a lot of religions out there, they don't have this doctrine, but it's the key doctrine of our faith, and it makes our faith, the faith, there, because there's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved, other than Jesus Christ the righteous. So, he is our Savior, and he is risen, and that resurrection of him the Lord Jesus Christ is the key doctrine of our faith. 15.3 said, I, Paul said, I delivered unto you first of all that which I received. And you look at the Greek behind that, and I, I like the way the, the New American Standard translates that. He says, I delivered to you of first importance. And that is exactly what it means. First of all, of first importance, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was that content of that message? You look down in verse 3 that I read and 4 and four, the latter parts of 4. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures as prophesied in the Old Testament down through died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried according to the scriptures. He was raised the third day according to the scriptures. And so it's a new story but an old, not an old story, is it? Because it was prophesied that it would happen and it happened precisely as it was prophesied. And then it became a new story. That's what the gospel means. Good news, new news, 
that he was crucified, dead, and buried, and raised from the grave. Romans chapter 1, Paul writes of God's gospel. God's gospel concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That asserts his deity. Notice carefully that asserts his deity prior to his incarnation. He was the son of God before he came through the virgin's womb. Christ the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 17, Paul continued, Now Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, that was the Sadducees. I don't, I'll bet you everyone in here has heard some preacher somewhere say that's why the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. I mean, that's got to be heard everywhere around the, the globe. I didn't want to be left out, so I thought I'd say it again. But certainly, we'd be sad with them if we didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? Your faith is also vain. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be the dead do not rise. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you're yet in your sins. Key doctrine, is it not? All hinges on that. But there's a lot more to it. The key doctrine of Christianity. But there's so much beyond just what's going on in our lives in a New Testament church hinges on the doctrine and the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul teaches that a man named Jesus came, claimed to be God, and he was raised from the dead that documented clearly the authenticity of his claim that he was indeed God. But again, no resurrection. Christ would still be dead. All this We've been walking in. Our faith is worthless. We're still in our sins. There's no cure for that if Christ has not been raised from the grave. And that, ladies and gentlemen, would lump us in with all these other world religions out there. We'd be no different from the rest. Just a bunch of spiritually-minded hopefuls. trying to follow a higher moral standard than the rest of the populace. Hopefully, by doing so, to placate some God that we, someone that's out there that we intuitively know is there, we're trying to placate him by our good behavior. And we don't know, we, and we don't know anything about him. We know nothing. If the scriptures are not true, we know absolutely nothing about this God that we know intuitively is out there. But he's out there somewhere. That's what Paul said on Mars Hill. Hey, I see you got a, an altar here to every God. And then, what? To the unknown God. And ladies and gentlemen, that was probably the only correctly labeled one 
that they had. It was unknown to them. That God was unknown. Our God, our Lord, was unknown to them. So they hadn't bought into it. We'd be lumped into all those. And if we can placate this God that we know nothing about, but is out there, and we know that intuitively, hopefully we can wind up in a better place rather than a worse place in the next life because intuitively we know there is another life out there. Don't we? You know, it's, it's a magnificent thing, is it not? The glory of God's creation. And he's created humans because there's never been a man, woman, boy, or girl that's ever walked on this planet that didn't know intuitively there's someone out there and there's something after this. And we go see around the globe and travel, we find that these cultures all had something about them that was in regard to those two things, that person out there and the life after this. That's what the pyramids are about. This is one example. Uh, you have a handout there, and I'll, I'm going to give you one quote from Dr. John Walbert, who was a, he's now with Jesus, a magnificent theologian and a precious man. Uh, he had a plaque on his desk. You know, he was looking forward to the rapture, and this little plaque on his desk that said, perhaps today, perhaps today would be the day the Lord would return. Dr. Walbert uh, wrote this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the vital link in the total chain of God's sovereign program without which the whole world scheme would collapse. Think about that. The whole world scheme would collapse. Now, they, those outside of Christianity say, well, that's just your stuff. You're hanging on the resurrection and hope or whatever. But the whole world scheme would collapse. Now, on the back or the front, whichever you want to consider it, <laughs> of that handout you've got, received there, most everybody else probably has one. Dr. Lewis Sperry Schaefer, who was a previous professor at, at Dallas Theological Seminary, he wrote this, Christ's resurrection is vitally related to the ages past, to the fulfillment of all prophecy, to the values of his death, to his church, to Israel, to creation, to the purposes of God and grace, which reach beyond the ages to the ages to come and to the eternal glory of God. Fulfillment of the eternal purposes related to all of these was dependent upon the coming forth of the Son of God from that tomb. All of it dependent upon Christ's coming from that tomb. Can you imagine what Satan would have been glad to do to prevent Christ from coming out of that tomb? He arose from the dead, and the greatness of that event is indicated by the importance of his place in Christian doctrine. Not Christ risen, by whom all things were created, that are in the heaven, that are in the earth, visible, invisible, 
whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, he for whom all things were created and who is before all things and by whom all things consist. Every divine purpose and blessing would have failed. Yea, the very universe and the throne of God would have dissolved, would have been dismissed forever. All the life, light, and hope would have ceased. Death, darkness, and despair would have reigned. Which is Satan's goal. Though the spiritual powers of darkness might have continued, the last hope for a ruined world would have been banished eternally if Christ had not been raised. It is impossible for the mind to grasp the mighty issues which were at stake. Think about that. Read it carefully. It is impossible for the mind to grasp the mighty issues which were at stake at the moment when Christ came forth from the tomb. Think about it. All the weight of glory, all the plan of the universe, all the creating of the principalities and powers and dominions and everything hinging right there from our perspective on that moment when Christ came out of that tomb. Now, it never was an iffy deal in the hand of God, okay? But from our side of the equation, wow, glory to God. What a Savior we have and what hung upon his shoulders. Charles Haddon Spurgeon had a way that few mortals have ever had of saying things. A pastor friend of mine, in fact, the one that baptized Waverly, about Pastor Dan's age now, he was talking about Charles Spurgeon this 20 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever we were talking. He said, you know, can you imagine? He, Charles Spurgeon said something to the fact that he, of the Lord Jesus Christ, he who hung from a mother's breast was the one on whom the worlds, the galaxies, rested on his shoulder. Well, pretty good quote, you know. The Lord of the universe. And Pastor Joe Bob went on and said, you know, Ray, I had to look at him and see how, my goodness, how old was he? How long he'd been in the word until he, the Lord revealed that to him. And he said, I checked the date and he was 25 years of age. All depends on how much time you spend in this and in prayer. So, a lot of evidences for the resurrection of Christ. A lot of evidences external to the scripture. Uh, in years past, I've quoted some of the secular writer, Josephus, others, you know, and people that pointing to the resurrection and things that point to the resurrection and the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, I want to deal with internal evidence. That's it. Just internal evidence relating to the appearances post-resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think there's 11 of them uh, before his glorification and something like six of them after his glorification. You have a list of those on the flip side there, and there's so many verses we couldn't go to all of them in the interest of time, but I want you to have them if you're interested in looking at them. Now, someone would say, maybe, hopefully no one here, but maybe someone here, maybe someone in our larger internet audience would say, well, you're just presenting evidence from the scriptures, and that's a, in effect, a circular argument because I don't believe all the scriptures. There are people who say that, you know. 
And then read all these scriptures. Well, this is this contains the word of God, but it's not all the word of God. And then, you know, in essence, the definition of those people, they're in, they think they're inspired to spot to spot the spots, you know, which is insanity. And if someone has that concept, that, men, that, that mental attitude now, saying, well, this is just a circular argument, and you're not proving to me anything because of what you're speaking through, because it's coming right out of the, your Bible, all I can say is, brother or sister, I'll pray for you. Because only the sovereign grace of God can remove the darkness that's in your soul that caused you to hold that position. And the only reason you hold a different position and the only reason I hold a different position is the sovereign grace and mercy of God in revealing to us the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. First appearance was to Mary Magdalene as she remained at the tomb after Peter and John left. John chapter 20, as you see. And the second appearance was the other disciples coming to the empty tomb based on her witness that the tomb was empty. Third appearance to Peter the afternoon of the resurrection day. Man, what a day was that for Peter. <laughs> Glory to God. Fourth appearance, disciples on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24. Fifth appearance, to the ten disciples with Thomas not there. Two days later, the sixth appearance to the eleven, this week later, after his resurrection, when Thomas was present. Seventh appearance to the seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and that's the miraculous catching of fish. An eighth appearance was to over 500 at one time. You know, that's hard to refute, isn't it? That's impossible to refute. If you had 500 people from Tyler stand up and say, I saw Bigfoot on Broadway, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> Hard to refute. <laughs> Ninth appearance, James, the Lord's brother, was an unbeliever. Get this. The Lord's brother, half-brother, an unbeliever in him as the Messiah until he appeared to James. And immediately then, he was numbered with the disciples. Tenth appearance to the eleven disciples on the mountain in Galilee at the giving of the Great Commission. Eleventh appearance occurred at the time of his ascension from the Mount of Olives. Twelfth appearance to Stephen. This is the first one after his glorification during his stoning. And then to Paul on the Damascus Road, the 13th appearance, which resulted in his conversion and call to ministry. 14th appearance to Paul in Arabia for his instruction in, in ministry. 15th appearance to Paul in the temple, warning about persecution and telling him to get out of here. 
that you ministered the Holy Spirit in us, watching over us as the Lord's sheep, carrying us along the way. Fifteenth appearance. Paul in Caesarea, when the Lord stood by him and said, you go into Rome to witness for me. And then the seventeenth appearance, of course, to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, where he was exiled for the preaching of the gospel. And Paul said in his defense before King Agrippa in Acts 26, I kind of paraphrase it, King Agrippa, I speak with confidence before you, sir, because I know you know all these things. You know about all this stuff. None of this was done in a corner. Did you ever wonder about King Agrippa? All we know is he said almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. God help you not to leave this planet as one of the almost persuaded. That'll never get you into the kingdom of God. So here is King Agrippa saying to Paul, almost persuaded. Here's Paul saying for all the world to read, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that he is able to keep this which I have committed unto him to that day. What day? The resurrection day. The end of the close of age. I know. And in him, I know him, and I persuaded that he was able to keep that. Don't be an almost persuaded, for goodness sakes. So, you look at the consistent testimonies of all the eyewitnesses, and then their changed character after seeing the resurrected Lord. How could they not be changed? I mean, ladies, if you're shopping on South Broadway and there's 500 down there, see, Bigfoot, it's going to change how you shop. <laughs> it has an impact on you when you see the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. But no less should it have an impact on our lives or anyone born of God this day when they meet personally the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives. fact that when Paul wrote these lines, a greater part of those people are all still alive. Could have been easily refuted. Those 500 people said, this guy's a lunatic. Not so. And even more importantly, was our willingness, willingness to die rather than deny that the Lord had been raised from the grave. All that provides irrefutable, internal evidence that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And it all happened 2,000 years ago. What does it mean today to you and I? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you today? What does it mean to everyone? What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean to, uh, what does it mean to every human being that's ever stood on this planet or shall stand? Because it means something to everyone born of woman, everyone, no exceptions. The resurrection from the dead, the resurrection from the grave, 
will be the universal experience of everyone that's ever born. All those that ever die will be raised from the grave. The other way to escape that's never be born. Too late for that. First Thessalonians 4.17, speaking of Christians, this is right after 4.16 when it talks about those who sleep in Jesus rise first, and then those which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the dead in Christ rise first, and those which are alive and remain caught up to meet them in the air forevermore and ever and ever to be with the Lord. John 5 while First Thess spoke of Christians, John 5, this is Jesus speaking, 28 and 29 verse, speaks of everyone. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Everyone, that's what Jesus said, everyone will come forth. The hour is coming. Do you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? That means that God has set that time out there somewhere. That time is set. I misplaced this CD. Someone gave it to me. I don't remember who it was, but it was, I love that thing. And I had it in my Jeep, and I'm moving around from car to car. And, but it had this song on there about, and this lovely black lady was singing this song. And she had a fabulous voice. And she was talking about Jesus coming to the Lazarus' tomb and talking about him showing up four days late and right on time. I love it. See, because the lateness is our perspective, but the on time is his sovereign purpose and intent, and he comes on time for his sovereign purposes. Nobody like him. The hour is coming. Notice you went back up to verse 25 there in that chapter of John, and it says, and there's a phrase, and now is time and now is it's not here so the hour is coming but it doesn't say anything about and now is that's why because today is the day of salvation not the judgment today is the day of salvation but at the day of judgment verse 28 all in the graves hear his voice they shall come forth grave just in the generic phrase there for all that have died it doesn't make a difference where their bodies are buried or not Looking over Revelation, isn't this amazing? Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. All the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they're all judged, every man according to his works. You know something? There is absolutely no place to hide because the dead will come forth from the grave. Acts 24, 15. There shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. 
everyone that's ever lived coming forward from the life, the resurrection of life, from to the resurrection of judgment. John 5, 29 is a key verse there. Because you'll note that the population of these two groups was decided before death. In verse 29, they that have done good in contrast to those that have done evil. Now the passage does not teach salvation by works, okay? The Lord is just condescending to our level of understanding because we can't see in the heart. We see the outside results of what is or is not in the heart. In other words, we can only look and preserve the conduct of a person and make some measure, some assumption. <clears throat> Most, maybe a lot of times we're very inaccurate in that. One of the meanest spirited persons I ever met was a deacon in a Baptist church. <clears throat> so I don't know <laughs> if it was the Lord or not. So the Lord is not teaching the cause of salvation, but only the distinguishing marks of salvation. Those that have done evil, those that have done good. It's like the tree, the fruit, the tree is known by its fruit, so to speak, in Matthew's, I believe, verse there. Those that come forth to the resurrection of life already possess life. And they're just continuing on in a relationship at a different level, but that relationship which they've been walking in is as though during this earth. John 5, 24. They passed from death unto life during life on earth. Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus in the list, this life or the next. But you know something? That's a flip side of that. Father, there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. They've already passed from death to life. They just continue on. What does the other side of Romans 8 1 look, look like? Those not in Christ Jesus are in condemnation, abiding in condemnation. John 3 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Think about that. Every person that you know. Family, friends, spouse, loved ones, neighbors that have not believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ right now are living out their lives under the sentence of condemnation and it will never change unless they come to Christ. No other name given whereby we might be saved other than Jesus Christ. Regardless of what Oprah Winfrey said, Jesus is the only way to heaven, period. Bless God. <laughs> Bless God. They didn't hear it. They said, well, oh, well, they've heard the gospel. And I'm talking about hearing it here where it matters. They did not believe the gospel. Did not pass from spiritual death into spiritual, to eternal life in this life. So they are continued, raised to continue, really, in that which they've an environment which they've always been in. What is the unsaved environment? Condemnation. 
And so they raised from the grave to continue on in that environment throughout eternity. So, in the last day, to the redeemed of the Lord, <laughs> voice of Jesus is going to be the sweetest thing ever. May toss forth our bodies from the grave. But to the unsaved, that same voice of the Son of God, sweetest thing we've ever heard, to the unsaved, the most horrific thing they've ever heard, going to cause them forth from the grave. And the question is, in our audience here, in our internet audience, have you personally heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ calling you to salvation? And if you have, have you responded? And if you've not, do you have any plans on responding? When will you respond? Or you think, well, I'll put it off a while. I've got some things I'm not ready to let go of just yet. Foolish. You can think you're being wise for a moment. You're really being a fool forever, potentially, by not coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you one thing for certain, everyone listening, you're going to hear the voice of God, the Son of God calling you, either to salvation in this life, or calling you from the grave in the next life. Glorious here, horrible there. Rest assured, you will hear, and everyone will hear the voice of the risen Lord Jesus Christ calling everyone forth from the grave. He was the first fruits, as the scripture says. All the rest, though everyone's coming to life or the resurrection or death. And I pray that by God's grace, you will respond, they will respond, Whoever's hearing us will respond to the saving message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in this life. And then be numbered in that number that surround that throne of glory. Said, blessed be the Lord. All glory, all honor, and praise unto him. Lord, it's a simple message, but it's glorious. You came to seek, you came to save, and you did that and are still seeking and saving. I pray, Father, that in your sovereign grace and purpose, that hordes of people, even today and the days ahead, come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know who they are, and Lord, we know you know when they'll come. And we just ask you, Lord, to hasten the day of their conversion.